so, so today we are starting a new sermon series, uh, True Love, True Faith. Uh, the Bible passage was James 1, starting from verse 13, so I do encourage you to have that in front of you. So this, this series, maybe just to give us an intro, is, is about what genuine Christianity looks like. Uh, we live in a world w- w- with a lot of fakes. Uh, you know, walk down the streets of Sam Shui Po or on the flower market, and there's a lot of fake products. And in not being able to tell what's, what's real from fake and have bad consequences, right? That this world is filled with, you know, fake degrees, fake doctors, fake news. Uh, if you, you know, buy a fake phone, um, you just waste a lot of money and it's not going to work. Uh, you hire a fake contractor, uh, your house is going to be renovated with a lot of uh, problems and probably be unsafe. Uh, you purchase fake insurance, and you're going to be in big trouble when you actually hit trouble. <laughs> so, so it's really important to distinguish what's, what's real from what's false. And this is especially true when it comes to Christian faith. And so uh, 2 Corinthians 13.5 tells us to examine yourselves, uh, see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. Uh, the consequences of having a false faith can be uh, devastating. Uh, Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The difference between a genuine faith and a a false faith is the difference between knowing Jesus and being condemned by him. True faith allows you to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, False faith shuts you out from it. Uh, There are around half a million Uh, professing Christians in Hong Kong. Uh, The city is filled with uh, many Christian schools, uh, organizations, and hospitals. Uh, Hong Kong has churches almost on every corner uh, where people regularly gather to to worship and and practice faith. Uh, If you're someone here this morning who is not a Christian and, and you're curious about it, it's important for you to identify what genuine Christianity looks like because following a counterfeit one will destroy your soul. If you are a professing Christian, it's important that you know how to evaluate your faith and constantly assess it, because if you don't, you're in danger of being rejected by the very Jesus you claim to worship. And one key indicator of faith is love. So over the next few weeks, uh, different speakers uh, will take EEC through various books of the Bible, various passages that really explore what what does true love look like? What does true faith look like in the life of a Christian? Uh, So let me pray as we start this morning's passage. Father in heaven, there is no other... God like you. All other gods are idols that cannot see, cannot hear, cannot speak. But you are set apart from all of those things. You are transcendent. You are beautiful. You, you are glorious. 
Uh, you are lovely. God, I pray that you would help us to see you as you truly are so that we can worship you as you truly deserve so the world can see who is the one true living God. God, I pray that you would give us understanding of your word, Holy Spirit, that you would bring it alive into our hearts to see your truth and to respond to it. We pray these things in your name. Amen. I'm just curious about how people respond when, when they're sick. So, so let, let me ask you, <clears throat> how sick do you have to feel before you go see a doctor? Right, how sick do you have to feel? You know, do you go when you first feel the sore throat, or do you wait until you start coughing violently, or some other symptom? Uh, I, I guess nowadays, you know, the first thing you do is take a COVID test, and then afterwards you'll be like, okay, if it's not COVID, then I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see, see how it goes, right? So different world that we live in. Uh, I have an uncle who would never see the doctor. Uh, anytime he gets sick, he would say, it's not that bad, it's just a cold, I'll get better soon. He starts coughing violently, it's not that bad, it's just a cold. He starts turning green, it's not that bad, it's just a cold. He loses the ability to speak, he's going to the hospital. My aunt sent him to the hospital. And it was a really good thing that she did at that time because his appendix had actually burst and he almost died. It's not that bad, just a cold. Christians often overestimate how healthy their faith is. Uh, like my uncle, uh, we don't catch the warning signs of failing faith. We believe that we're okay or somehow things will get better. Our passage today warns Christians about feeling over-secure about their spiritual state, saying, don't be deceived. Uh, this warning comes after uh, the author, James, had just talked about the power of temptation that leads to sin and eventually the consequence of death in someone's life. The one in danger of being deceived here is, is a Christian. The one doing the deceiving is a Christian's own sinful heart. And so the rest of this passage gives a series of tests to determine if a Christian is deceiving themselves. Uh, be, be doers of the word, word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 22. Verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. When the Christian is in danger of deceiving themselves, what the Christian is in danger of deceiving themselves about is the state of your faith. Uh, this person's religion is worthless. Uh, religion refers to the outward practices of faith. You know, things like coming here to observe some day worship, taking communion, giving offering, uh, Bible study, prayer, just to name a couple of, you know, religious acts. <clears throat> uh, James was writing to Christians who were especially religious people. Uh, many of them came from a Jewish background uh, that led them to include Jewish rituals in their expression of Christianity. But no matter how nice it looked, they were in danger of practicing a worthless religion. A religion that is worthless is only external. It's missing a genuine heart of faith. 
A worthless religion is an empty shell. It's a nicely wrapped present with nothing inside. Christians are in danger of deceiving themselves into thinking they have genuine faith when all they have is an empty, worthless religion. You can trick yourself into thinking you are right with God when you are not. So in response to this danger, uh, the passage gives a series of tests for Christians to evaluate their faith, which brings us to our main point for today. Uh, True faith reflects Father God in your responses, words, compassion, and lifestyle. True faith reflects Father God in your responses, words, compassion, and lifestyle. Uh, Verses 17 to 18 gives more details about what Christians should not be, be deceived about. And that's who God is and what he's done. Uh, God is a good God who gives good gifts. Uh, God is the father of light who gives new life to Christians through his word. God in his compassion reached out to unworthy sinners like you and me. And Christians were given this new life to be God's first fruits. Our first fruits were offerings that Israelites would give to God uh, to be his from their harvests. The idea of a Christian or Christians being first fruits here is that uh, we are set apart specifically to be God's holy people that are totally devoted to him and for him. Now, the rest of this passage uh, is about how those who have received new life should respond. New life from God ultimately leads to a response of faith that is true, that's visibly seen in religion that is pure and undefiled before God himself. So there are three ways that true faith responds. It responds with a humble and teachable heart, It responds with persistent obedience, and it visibly transforms your lifestyle. As we're told how true faith responds, uh, we're given ways to evaluate our faith. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through each of these ways and just reflect for ourselves. Where is my faith at? Is my faith genuine? Am I going to pass this test? Uh, True faith responds with a humble and teachable heart. Uh, Look at verse 19. Uh, The first response described in this passage is external. Uh, Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And this external response is connected to an internal response in verse 21. Uh, Therefore, put away all filthiness, wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word. Uh, Meekness means something like humble gentleness. Uh, We need to receive what God says with humility and with a welcoming gentleness. Uh, Being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger is an observable and measurable response. Receiving God's word humbly isn't observable. But having one indicates that you have the other. 
Your response to God is directly reflected in how you respond to people every day of your life. Uh, When your heart is receiving God's word with meekness, you will respond to other people with humility and gentleness so that you are quick to hear what they say, slow to speak and slow to anger. When your heart is not open to God's word, you respond to others impatiently. When you're not listening to God in your life, you don't listen to what other people have to say about you. When your heart is not humble before God, you are quick to respond in anger towards others. Receiving God's word meekly means that you have a heart that's teachable. A heart that's ready to listen to God. And the verse 22 tells us it hears God's word. A heart that's attentive and that wants to listen to him. If you're, if you're a student, you have your, your, your pen out, your, your paper out, your laptop out, and you're sitting just waiting to listen to hear what God has to say. A heart that's not receiving God's word is, is quick to speak and lash out in self-righteousness. It's quick to judge and condemn others. It angrily lectures people for their faults. It goes on long rants about what's wrong with the world around them. And though what's said may be 100% right, this person cannot bring about a righteous response that's pleasing to God because their heart isn't right with him. Uh, My house is filled with a lot of plants. uh, And I found it interesting. Now, I don't take care of these plants. My wife does. uh, But I found it interesting to observe how changes in the environment affect how a plant can grow. Uh, So so we used to have a a mint plant that grew like a weed. It it grew so fast, we didn't know what to do with the leaves. uh, So we would give parts of it away, and we would use extra leaves in our cooking. Everything was very minty for a long time. And now, this mint plant was, was placed uh, by a window in a room that had just the right amount of sun and, and humidity for it to grow really fast. Now, eventually, uh, we moved the plant to another room because of space issues. And within a couple of days, it had dried up and it died. Just like two days, three days later, boom, it's dead. And I was surprised at how fast a change in environment affected the plant's growth. You know, does your heart have the right environment to allow God's word to grow? God's word has been planted in the heart of every believer. But like a seed, it needs the right condition to grow to transform your life. Uh, The right condition is one that welcomes his word with humility. If your heart condition is right, the natural result is that God's word will grow to visibly transform it. If your heart condition is, is wrong, it doesn't matter how much of the Bible you study, how many sermons you listen to, it won't have any effect on your life. Uh, You could be taking notes, trying to learn as much as possible, but like a plant that receives sun but has bad soil, no matter how much you learn, nothing's going to grow. 
Uh, one crucial test of your heart condition is how you respond to people. How do you respond when you're given a word of advice? What's your first reaction when someone unfairly criticizes you? When someone makes a mistake on your watch, how do you react? When was the last time you gave into anger and why? Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Uh, There's a deeper level of reflection that's required here. It's more than just your external reactions because you can look like you're listening to someone with your outward responses, but not really be listening to them. If you're thinking about dozens of counter-arguments and responses while nodding your head and smiling, you're not listening. Uh, To listen means you seek to understand the person's thoughts and feelings along with their intention and heart behind them. You can appear very calm and peaceful on the outside, but allow anger to burn in your heart with many hateful thoughts. Uh, Being slow to anger here doesn't mean being a a stoic, emotionless robot that doesn't feel the emotion of anger. Uh, It means you don't give in to anger. You don't let anger control your thoughts and feelings and responses and become the way that you operate in a situation. When was the last time you gave in to anger? Whether noticeable to others or not, when you find yourself quick to speak and quick to anger, the right response is to be honest with who you really are. Uh, Don't deceive yourself by trying to justify your toxic feelings. Be honest with the malicious thoughts that are spewing into your mind. Take a good look at the person who is raging inside of you. Recognize the overflowing, abundant, rampant wickedness in your heart that still needs to be removed. Let the ugliness of your sin turn you to repentance so that you obey verse 21 and you put away all filthiness and wickedness. When was the last time you gave into anger? And how ugly did things get? How ugly did things get? When you've just exploded at your spouse with a barrage of hurtful words, when you've just left your coworker crushed by harshly telling them off, when you've punished your child a lot worse than you had planned to, when you're reflecting on the aftermath of it all, defeated with guilt at how you responded, condemning yourself for being a hypocrite, for feeling like an unworthy parent. In the midst of it all, There is good news. You are saved and you are being saved. 
through faith in Jesus, God has implanted his word into your heart. His word inside you has the power to save you from yourself. All you need to do is to let it do its work by once again humbling yourself to receive his word more fully and deeply into your soul. True faith responds with a humble, teachable heart that's demonstrated in transformed responses to people. But relationships are just one indicator of true faith. And the second point is that true faith responds with persistent obedience. The evidence of a heart that truly listens to God is seen in action. Uh, Verse 22 says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That hearing God's word is important. But if nothing happens after that, then a Christian is deceiving themselves about their faith. Uh, Two people are compared in this this, uh, section. Uh, One person looks into a mirror and then leaves, forgetting what they look like. The other person looks into the perfect law and continues to do so until they do what it says. The perfect law here is another way to describe the word of truth in verse 18, uh, which we're told is implanted into us in verse 21. Uh, The reason why it's described as the perfect law is to emphasize a certain aspect of God's word, which has to do with commandments to be obeyed and followed. Things God wants people to do and things that God doesn't want people to do. Uh, God's law is like a mirror that reflects to people who they really are and what about them needs to be fixed. And what God says isn't always easy to understand. It's not always clear how to actually do what he says. Uh, The main point here is that a person with true faith won't let these challenges keep them from doing it. True faith will persist and persevere. It will take time to study and understand God's word, and it will make an effort to reflect and think about how to practice what's been said. In what ways are you obeying God in your life right now? If your faith is true, there should be some some responses that come to your mind. what, What does God want you to do that you currently find it difficult to do. Whatever it is, don't try giving up. Don't give up. Keep trying to do it. Uh, Continue to struggle to apply it and practice it. See, the main question is, are you persisting? Are Are you trying to obey God more and more? If not, then you have to be careful. If you find that you've given up because it's too hard, or you find yourself making excuses for not needing to obey, It's too hard to forgive others or this person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. You have to be warned if you've stopped obeying God in a certain area where you once did. Perhaps it's showing hospitality or gathering with brothers and sisters for fellowship. If you're not doing what he says, you've deceived yourself. And now it's easy to talk about this section and and, see doing God's word as, as a burden. But really, we're told the exact opposite. This passage encourages us that doing God's word really, really does pay off if you hold on. We are doing God's perfect law. 
Uh, there are so many rules made by people that don't make sense, they're silly, they're pointless, and sometimes they're harmful. But this isn't the case with God's law. God's law is perfect. Everything God tells us to do brings benefit, it brings good, it brings blessing. It's the law of liberty. Doing what God says brings freedom. Now, as a Christian perseveres in doing what God says, they experience this blessing of living the way that they were created to. Now, obedience to God is often difficult and hard, but as you keep doing it, you experience this blessing that makes it so worth it in the end. You know, when you first get started on a health diet, it's a lot of pain and no gain, or very little visible gain. Uh, but the more you persevere in it, uh, the more you experience the benefits. You know, as you eat the right food and exercise well, you feel more energetic, uh, you feel less tired, uh, you're more alert, your mood is better. Uh, obedience to God is the way to spiritual health that brings much greater benefit than your physical health. It brings a blessing. Uh, now the question is, like, what, what does obedience look like exactly? What does it mean? And this brings us to the final point. True faith visibly transforms lifestyle. Think of it this way. Uh, eating one healthy meal and working out once isn't enough to be healthy. <laughs> uh, to be truly healthy, a person needs to develop a lifestyle of right eating and exercise. In a similar way, it's not enough to obey God in one area or just once. A true faith requires a commitment to continually practice what God says, so much so that it impacts your regular lifestyle. Uh, verses 26 to 27 outlines three areas of obedience a person with true faith will practice. The first is living with control over the words that come out of your mouth. Uh, a bridle is what was put in the mouth of horses to control where they go. True faith is able to bridle the tongue. Uh, the focus here is on your words. What is said, what is not said. Uh, when things are said and how things are said. What a person allows themselves to say directly reflects their heart. A person whose words are careless and malicious reveals that their heart is in that state, that their heart is careless, their heart is malicious. A person who believes that their words are not a big deal compared to the rest of their conduct deceives their heart. When it comes to our words, God tells us that saying things like, I didn't really mean it, it was just a joke, it was an accidental slip, are excuses to downplay what's really in our heart. True faith is demonstrated in a consistent pattern of words that reflects God's words, because his word has been planted deep into your heart. These are words that are kind, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, encouraging, positive, good. Uh, the second area of obedience is compassionate service. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God visits orphans and widows in their affliction. Uh, the word visit doesn't mean like a casual visit. It's a type of visiting that purposely goes out of the way to care for people. Uh, orphans and widows are the type of people that true faith naturally extends care to. 
They were people in need who had no means to pay back the care they were given. They were people in society that it would be costly to show concern for. Think about the type of love and care an orphan with no parents would require. Orphans and widows were those who were overlooked and unfairly treated by society. They are described as those in affliction and distress, uh, those who are facing some type of pain or suffering. The specific use of visiting orphans and widows tells us a type of compassionate service of true faith. It's more than just doing good deeds. It's more than just a one-time donation of goods and money. It's more than just giving a couple hours of your time to, to volunteer to tutor someone. It's a type of service where you commit to a long-term relationship of love with those in distress, where you invite them into your life to sacrificially do what you can to benefit them, where you might become like a parent to those who have lost theirs. It's inviting those who are afflicted to be your friends, so much so that you take up their distress as your own. True faith regularly visits those in distress because it makes them their friends. The last area of obedience that true faith will practice is holy living. It's described here as keeping oneself unstained from the world, uh, which means pure, spotless, untainted. Uh, True faith keeps itself unstained from the world. Uh, The world is referring to all of human society that lives in rebellion towards God. The world is a place with values and standards that are corrupt. It's a place whose thinking is contrary to God's ways. It's focused on the selfish pursuits of power and wealth. It's a place filled with people whose lifestyles practice sin. A true faith leads a Christian to resist all of the negative influences of the world. It doesn't allow the world's values, their pursuits, moral standards, and behavior to compromise obedience to how God calls you to live in his word. True faith reflects Father God in your responses, your words, compassionate service, and holy lifestyle. Uh, There's been a lot of uh, bank fraud going on these days. A lot of people, you know, getting hacked, getting money stolen, And with, you know, the number of incidents rising, I found that the security for online banking keeps increasing. So much so that so many times I can't log in. (laughs) You know, to log in, I have to go through this multi-step process. I have to input my password, answer a security question, enter my PIN, and sometimes I need to use an external code generator from another device. And if I forget that, then I can't get in. Our passage today gives us a multi-step process of verifying true faith. If one of these areas is missing in your practice of Christianity, you should be worried about the genuineness of your faith. You need to re-examine your heart, find out what's wrong, and do all that you can to correct it. So we're going to spend some time reflecting on some of these tests. Uh, We've already thought about our response to people, so we're going to focus on our words and our service and our holy living. You know, when it comes to your words, 
do you have a tight control over them? Uh, do you find yourself speaking rash and unkind things? How often do you exaggerate to the point that it communicates something untrue? Have you found your words becoming more gracious and, and, and loving and, and encouraging? Do you find it impossible not to gossip about others, whether it's at work or family or church? Think about your words, not just in public, but in private. How you talk to your parents, uh, your spouse, or, or, or your kids. Think about the words that come out of your mouth when, when you're alone. Uh, when you're by yourself, facing a frustrating situation, no one's around, what words come out? Words mean something. Jesus says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Profanity, swear words, they, they have meaning to it. They don't just slip out of your tongue by accident. We say them because those meanings, uh, the rage, the hatred, the negativity they, re they represent is found in our hearts. When it comes to your words, don't deceive yourself. Those who have been implanted with the word of truth will speak in a way that reflects God's words. Next, I want you to think about your service to others. Do you have a heart of compassion for the afflicted around you? If so, who are the people in your life that you regularly visit and care for? What are their names? What are their struggles? What kind of help do they need? Perhaps you want to serve those who are afflicted, but, but, but you're not sure how, uh, the first step is to make time to be available to get to know them. Uh, for the RAS families, it could be coming out to homework club, it could be joining the M&E team on one of their visits, it could be joining a small group that's focused on reaching out to these families. The question is, are you willing to make a committed sacrifice to care for those in need around you, whoever they might be? If you have no desire and no action behind that, then perhaps you haven't come to know the compassionate Father who has reached down to give life to afflicted people through his word. The last area to reflect on is holy living. Uh, God is the father of, of lights he is pure, he's holy, he's perfect, he has absolutely no sin or fault. In fact, it's the opposite. God is filled with light. He banishes all darkness and evil. And those with God's light inside them will grow to reflect his holiness and purity in a dark world. Like oil and water, God's word inside of a person will lead them to separate from unholy things. How are you trying to live unstained from the world? Is holy living a priority or even a category in your practice of Christianity? Do you have categories of things to avoid because you know it will lead you to think things and feel things that you shouldn't? Do you have a moral standard that you won't compromise on? And if so, you should be constantly reevaluating that standard as you learn about who God is. 
if you have no category for holy living and you call yourself a Christian, then you should be worried about the state of your faith. Uh, Keeping yourself unstained from the world requires many things. Uh, Here are a few to think about. You need to choose to limit how much influence you receive from the world. Think through the influencers that you follow, the podcasts or channels that you tune into. What What kind of values and beliefs are they reinforcing to your heart? Think about how you spend time with people. If you spend time with a friend and it's starting to influence you to compromise on your faith, then perhaps you need to think about how to approach that relationship. It's one thing to love others and be a witness. It's another thing to allow bad company to corrupt good morals. Uh, True faith will both go into the world and visit the needy while keeping themselves pure. One last thing to think about is the type of media and entertainment you choose to consume. Uh, sometimes Evelyn and I will be you know, scrolling through Netflix and we'll find something interesting and then we'll start playing it and then we'll realize that it's trash. It just, it doesn't, like, why do they make this? You know, there are things on Netflix and YouTube that you shouldn't watch because it's just not good material. And there are things that you definitely shouldn't watch because they're filthy and they're wicked. There are shows that promote and boast about pursuing lust and greed that are designed to stir up your sensual desires. In this day and age, having a filter for what you allow yourself to watch is a necessity to keep yourself unstained from the world. If you find yourself enjoying all types of media with no filter, it's a good indication that you haven't put away the filthiness and rampant wickedness of your heart. There are sinful desires in your life that you haven't repented of and you are indulging through media. A heart that loves God will find it hard to love the things that displease him and to enjoy them. A person who lives continually filling their eyes and ears and mind with the things of this world hasn't been filled with the pure good gift of salvation. The more your heart as a Christian is filled with the good and perfect gifts of the Father of lights, the less you want to fill yourself up with the desires of sin. Don't be deceived. God doesn't tempt anyone to sin. He is a good Father. He gives good gifts to His children so that we will stop sinning and reflect His beauty and His holiness. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. True faith reflects God the Father in response, words, service, and holy living. I just want you to think about what area might you be missing? What area might you be missing? The good news is that God doesn't want to leave us in this state. God has given us his power. He's given us a spirit inside of each believer. He offers to everyone who realizes their need to be holy, their need for his light, to come to him in faith and repentance and to receive his word meekly. You have this holy power inside of you that's waiting to be unlocked, that's waiting to transform what you think is impossible in your life right now. Don't underestimate the work of 
the cross and resurrection. Don't underestimate that Jesus has rose again and his life is in you. Let his life flow in you more and more. Let's just spend some time in quiet reflection. Holy Spirit, would you, would you search our hearts right now? Help us to see the immense power that we have through faith in Jesus, the immense power, God, that raised Jesus from the dead. Would you stir up our faith, God, to respond to you rightly? Father in heaven, you are so kind and gracious and compassionate. God, thank you. Thank you for coming down and and saving us. Thank you for your gifts that you pour out on our lives and on our hearts day after day, week after week, month after month. Thank you that you are so patient with us. God, help us just to enjoy the gifts you want to give to us as your children. God, help us to enjoy them so much, so much that we offer those gracious things back to people in our words. That we offer that compassion back to people who are afflicted and in need. That we don't want any of the filth and sin of this world because you are so beautiful and you are so satisfying. Would you transform us as a church, God? that all might see and know that you are the one true living God, that we might be that city on a hill that cannot be hidden in this time. In your name we pray, amen.